you know, I was kind of already behind rolling into retirement and making this change was super, super risky. Everyone thought I was crazy. And looking back on it, I still can't believe I had the, the gumption to do it because it sounds insane. Hi, I'm Denise Montrose, and you are entering a world gone good. Well, hello and welcome. I'm Steve, and I'm so glad you are here and part of our World Gone Good. How can you help us spread the good and reach our goal of 10,000 downloads before our one-year anniversary next month? It's easy. You're already listening, so that's something. Now follow us and share us on your social media. Subscribe to our show on whatever pod platform you use. Rate and review us. All these things are good. No, no, they are great ways that help us spread the good and spread the show and get more listeners and just make the world a gooder place. And for that, we say, as always, thank you. So here's a question. Is the life you are living right now the one you always dreamed of? If it is, awesome. I am happy for you. I actually am truly happy for you. If it is not, what is or maybe was your dream? Is it something specific or is it more of an overall feeling you want to experience that could land you somehow somewhere more specific? Here's what I want to remind you. There is still time. There's always time. And also, you're not too old. You're actually always getting older. So technically, you're younger right now than you were when I started this sentence. And now... You're older? Look, you're not old. Never mind. Listen, you're with me, right? Technically, literally, not old. Maybe the life you always dreamed of just needs a spark of inspiration. Maybe you just need a cow. Metaphorically, or in the case of today's guest, literally. Denise Montrose found her cow, metaphorically and literally, and it changed her life beyond her wildest dreams. This is her good story, and I hope it inspires you to live out your wildest dreams. Denise Montrose, you woke up one day and decided you liked a cow named Elizabeth. Go, tell us everything. (laughs) Yeah, uh, crazy story, completely unplanned. I moved to Tennessee four years ago and purchased a house that was surrounded by cow pasture. And I always loved cows, so it was a great place to be. And one day on my 50th birthday, and I didn't realize that at that moment, I just looked back a couple months ago and said, oh my gosh, that was actually my 50th birthday. I was uh, leaving the neighborhood and saw a tiny cow calf by herself in a very small parcel next to a church where there had never been a cow. She was segregated from the herd, and it turns out she wasn't part of that herd uh, anyway. But I went over there, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I love you. And I started to visit her every single day and eventually ran into the young man who was taking care of her and um, got to be friends with him, became more and more involved with this cow-calf. And then at the end of the year, so about two months later, he says, hey, I'm going to sell this calf. And I'm like, oh, no, you're not. And I uh, decided to purchase her with the intent I was going to find her a home or um, give her to one of the 
existing animal sanctuaries. And when I called six states worth of farm sanctuaries and no one would take her, I decided to open my own. Wow. Now, let me ask you something you may not want to answer, but I think my audience and I need to know. How much does a cow cost? And you don't have to give me an exact number, a couple hundred, a couple thousand, $25. What are we talking? Yeah, super good question. Um, So she is a registered Charlet, which means if you compare her to, let's say, a dog in the dog world who has his AKC papers, she came from better quality stock. So she is more valuable. If she was not blind in one eye, her price would have been about a thousand to twelve hundred dollars. Wow! I paid him eight hundred. Okay, okay. So she was blind in one eye, and she's considered valuable. So my audience knows because she's going to make a lot of milk. She's going to get big, and she's going to be sent to slaughter. What makes her valuable in the in in that world of I make giant air quotes valuable. Right, right. She is a beef cow, one of the largest breeds, as a matter of fact, because when I buy everything, it's got to be the biggest. (laughs) Apparently, I have a 160 pound sheep dog. So why not get the biggest cow there is? Um, Anyway, she would have been a breeder. So because she would have um, contributed to the farm through pregnancy, she would have been pregnant every single year until she just couldn't get pregnant anymore. And then she probably would be sent to slaughter, depending on her age. Right. But they see saw in her a deficiency in that blind eye. So they, she was of no value to them at this point because you can't take, they couldn't take the risk. Some farmers don't mind uh, dealing with a cow that's got a bad eye. Some don't have time for it. In her particular case, not only was she blind in one eye, but she was a twin. And very frequently, beef moms don't have enough milk for two calves. So she was rejecting Elizabeth and pushing her away and pushing her away. And the Charlet farmer said, I don't have time for this half-blind, bottle-fed calf. And he gave the calf to the gentleman that I got her from. Now, he was just getting into the cattle industry himself, but he chose not to keep her because he only wanted to raise Angus. Now, are you sure you got the right calf? And this isn't a horror movie that you got the evil calf who at the last minute switched places with her. No, I got the right one. Okay, great. Now, how do you know it's a twin calf? Is it because there's only one calf at a time in a cow's um, stomach? And then in this case, there were two? Yep, exactly. And this is really random questions. We're going down the line of things I'm thinking of. How do we know if it's, I mean, is it identical or fraternal? Do we know? I, you know what? That I don't know. I'm not sure. I would, I don't know. Very good question. No one's ever asked me that before. Okay. All right. Good. See, this is, I'm, I got my whole, I have my whole cow horror movie plot line going and I can just do research through you. So, <laughs> You decide to take on a cow. You've never had a cow before. And what is the process in your mind when you made that decision? Did you have the land for this cow? 
No. As a matter of fact, I could see my home, which I had purchased four years before, with the intent I was going to retire in that home. So when I bought it, I kept all these things in in mind. You know, I could have my parents come and live with me if they needed care and they would stay on one side of the house and I would stay on the other. If I needed care as I got older and I didn't want to become a burden to my only child, then I could have a caregiver move in with me, stay on one side of the house, I could live on the other, all one floor, I can live here forever. And as I said, I'm going to buy this cow, I looked across the pasture and could see my house and thought to myself, I have to sell this house I thought I would be in forever. Wow. And I looked at land for months, months and months and months. I probably drove close to 5,000 miles all in central Tennessee looking for land. And I was looking because I was actually getting kind of desperate. I was looking at at anything between two acres, which meant I could keep her and another cow friend because she was desperately lonely. Right. Uh, cows are herd animals. They should not be by themselves all the way up to 20 acres. And the reason I capped myself at 20 acres is because I'm not married. It's just me. I have limits. The 14 acres I have is already enough for me. Right. Now I did strategically purchase land where I could, let's just say, God forbid, the nonprofit doesn't work out. I could break off a portion and sell it. And then alternatively, I made sure that there was land next to this land so that if the cow nonprofit is a success, which I know it will be, I can purchase additional land and not have to relocate. So you just took a piece of land that had no house on it? Correct. And I was looking at either land with houses, land without houses. I just, I was, because things were becoming so expensive, I was trying to be open-minded. And I bought this 14 acres, sold my beautiful home. I mean, this was the nicest house. I still can't believe I owned a house that nice when I look back on it. I'm like, man, what was I thinking selling that house? Because I was uh, going to move into an RV. I did. As a matter of fact, I went and bought an RV and my 160 pound dog live on this vacant land in an RV. Now I hired a barn builder and he was going to build me a barn and a cow run in, which is kind of like a house run in. It's just a place where cows can get out of the bad weather because I'm a believer that if you're going to own livestock, you need to provide shelter for that livestock. Not every farmer feels that way, but I do. Right. And as I was making, I'm not even exaggerating, my very last trip of stuff to storage, my barn builder called and said, hey, Denise, I've got some bad news for you. I know that we're supposed to start building next week, but I went back and retook a look at everything. And because lumber and steel have gone up up so much, your barn is going to cost you an additional 30% and same for the cow run-in. Wow. And I paid cash for the land. Right. I uh, had to buy the RV, got everything into storage and moved and was like, okay, hold on one second. We're just going to have to pause because I cannot afford to pay 30% extra on everything. That means I'll be helping less cows in the future. So essentially, we're just sitting here hunkered down doing what we can, but waiting for lumber and steel prices to come down so we can start building. And you're in the very, I would say, beginning steps of your organization. Do you and and are you doing everything yourself or do you have help? 
No, I'm doing everything on my own at this part. At this point, I should say, uh, I I made the website myself. Um, I did hire the marketing uh, fellow who also supports us. Um, I own my own business. He did the logo for my for-profit business, so he helped me put together the logo and the colors, which set our our tone for marketing moving forward. He did that logo for me. And right now I'm working with the IRS on our 501c3 application. And I can tell you that I thought this was going to be a much easier process because I had opened a business. I'm like, I've done all this stuff before, but opening a nonprofit is so much more difficult. I can't even tell you. Sure, sure. Now, let me ask you a question that you may not want to answer. Anyone, friend, family, tell you, Denise, what are you doing? <laughs> Every single person oh, no. that I know. No, I'm not judging you, though. I just I no, think that's every, where we naturally go. You know what? I have to say that looking back on it, I was the only one. And I have a friend who's a life coach. And when she hears this interview, she'll laugh because I always say it's impossible to have a friend who's a life coach because sometimes you just want to call her and vent about whatever and she breaks it down for you. And you're like, listen, I have to go because you just want to hang up on her and not talk to her for a while. And then like you a week later, you're like, oh, gosh, she's right. Right. Uh, you know, she even was like, Denise, what are you doing? Especially because I had been a single parent of Abby for so long, which comes with all of its own um, additional financial burdens. I would have, you know, I was kind of already behind rolling into retirement right. and making this change was super, super risky. Everyone thought I was crazy. And looking back on it, I still can't believe I had the, the gumption to do it because it sounds insane. But something spoke to you. So what is it that spoke to you? You know, this is the second time in my life that I have been divinely guided to do something. And I think this happens or can happen to people. And sometimes they just don't pay attention to it. And this divinity can come from wherever you feel it comes from. For me, the universe was driving me to make this change. It's almost as if I couldn't walk away. I could not walk away from this cow. I just couldn't do it. But you had never had a cow before. No, I have never had a cow. Uh, I did get involved in dog rescue for a while. I love animals. I'm an empath. So empaths tend to relate better to animals almost than people uh, in some cases. But I could actually feel her sadness. I could feel her loneliness. And as I was trying to decide what to do with this cow, even before she was my responsibility, um, before he said, I'm going to sell this calf, I was already plotting a way to help her or keep her, move her. I didn't know what it was going to look like. But Steve, if you can imagine the worst breakup you have ever had, where you're crying and sobbing all night long and there's tissues all over the place and you can't eat, that was my life for a couple of weeks. I would get up and it looked like someone punched me in the face because I had been crying all night. Right. Because I was just distraught over wanting to keep this cow who I had connected with in a way that I never would have 
had, you know, had this not happened. A lot of people say to me that cows don't have feelings or they can't communicate or they're, you know, just a very passive, boring animal. And I go, listen, if you're saying that, I know that you've not spent any time with a cow because they're just like dogs, big, but bigger. Well, I'm going to say two things. First of all, regarding your friend who's the life coach, I have all the respect in the world. However, <laughs> she hears me go, however, she's going to cringe. However. However, I had a friend for a long time and we had a rule of like, I would call up or she would call me and it was like, okay, okay, you're getting on the, you're getting on board with me. I'm on board. I am about to tell you something and I'm a hundred percent right. And no matter what I say, I'm a hundred percent right. And I'd be like, you're a hundred percent right. Go. And no matter what they said, I let them be a hundred percent right for that phone conversation. And then a few days later, we talked and we kind of talked it through going, maybe you were 88% right? <laughs> because that's just being human. So yeah, that's totally normal. Yeah. She always has everyone's best interest at heart. And she, she would, she, it's not like she came right out and said, um, this is the craziest thing you've ever done. But what she'll do is she will challenge you to think about it a different way right. or help you come up with an alternative. And no, no matter what it was that she suggested. And I know she really has my best interest at heart. I was like, I cannot explain what I'm about to do, but I'm going to sell my house, put everything in storage, buy an RV, move my 160 pound dog out to the middle of the country where I've never lived before in the middle of beef raising country, no less so that I can keep this half blind, half uh, blind orphaned cow calf. Okay. Who does that? No one does that. But I did. Yeah. And you followed your heart. And the second thing I'd yeah. say with following your heart is Ellie Lax from The Gentle Barn was on our show and she talked about how it all started for her. And it all started with a goat at a petting zoo that spoke to her and she looked at it and the goat basically said, save me. And she went back every day for a number of days and sat with that goat, sat with that goat, asked every day, can I take this goat? Can I take this goat? And they said, no, no, no. Finally, they just said, just lady, take the goat. And she paid them for the goat and took the goat and left with much like you, almost no plan. She just put the goat in the backyard. Yeah. But her, but her heart spoke to her. So your heart spoke to you and you followed your heart. Yes. Yeah. And funny story. I did listen to that podcast. I'm familiar with Ellie and her story. As a matter of fact, they have a gentle barn location in Tennessee, which was right next to where I lived in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. So I was always familiar with her story, but she says in the story that the goat spoke to her and said, please help me. Well, she's an animal communicator. She has the ability to talk to to animals just like humans. And she trained another uh, young woman who I've had the opportunity to partner with a couple of times so that she could talk to Elizabeth. Nice. Yeah. It's, it was, it was an incredible experience and the information that she came back with, there's just no way she would have known it. Had she not heard it directly from Elizabeth, I didn't share it with her. But a couple of times, it's kind of changed the trajectory of the story, getting Elizabeth's input. How long does a cow live and how old is Elizabeth? She will be one in August and a cow can live, depending on their breed, anywhere between 20 and 25 years. And almost every cow in the world is uh, slaughtered way before then, either because they have grown too old to produce offspring, they've 
grown too old to produce enough milk or they're only being raised for beef. And for someone like you, as a question I should have asked Ellie, what is the plan for you as you do come into your retirement years, as you do come into your golden time? What is the plan for a future for an animal that is just not even one yet that could go to 30? Yeah, you know, interesting story um, in that I did give that some thought. And I am 100% positive that if something should happen to me, that my daughter would take over the farm. Okay. Yeah, so it would be a second generation nonprofit. So if she's listening right now, let's just let her know that's been confirmed because we we've put it out there. <laughs> she's 28 right now, so she does not want to live an hour and a half outside of Nashville in the country. Sure. Um so I I think that she would say, "Yeah, I'm not I'm not ready to do it right now, but as she has kids and gets older, I know that this is going to be some place that she's going to want to spend more time, especially when she has kids. I have a cave, so I'm going to be the coolest grandma in the world. I have a cave and I'll have cows. I mean, come on, who who could top that? And she just was here a few days ago uh, for a visit and left and was pointing out a piece of the property. She thought it would be really great to put a little weekend vacation cabin. Oh, But she also every day is how are the cows? Before she left, she said, can we go see the cows? When she gets here, she said, can we go see the cows and feed the cows? And she loves them. She loves them. And my horror movie plotline just got better because there's a cave. Yeah. And a cow in a cave could be amazing. Now, wait, how many cows do you have right now? I have two. I just turned down an opportunity to take a third calf. And it turned out that just as I was ready to say, it breaks my heart, but I'm going to say no, somebody stepped in to take this calf who was 100% blind at birth. And the farmer said, I don't want to deal with this. Now, in that particular case, 99% of farmers would uh, kill it immediately because it's at that point a liability. And that's an example. You know, people ask me all the time, what are you rescuing cows from? And when they ask that question, I know that they don't really know what's going on right. in the dairy industry. They right. don't know what's going on. They just think their meat and dairy shows up at Kroger and that's all there is to it. Right. And I could tell you so many horror stories, but that's an opportunity where that farmer could call me and say, hey, Denise, I just had a calf, 100% blind, uh, born. Will you take the cow? And we, Or maybe if I'm lucky, they would say, would you take the calf and the mom? You were talking about getting a second friend for Elizabeth. When did you get the second friend for Elizabeth? Uh, The second cow came about two weeks after us uh, being here. And I wasn't going to take another cow in until the barn was built. And uh, my plan was to get a sheep so that Elizabeth still had a friend. Right. And um, just as I was moving here, we had a dog running loose in the in the in the street or country somewhere around one of my neighbors who were, uh, they were killing calves and sheep. And I was like, uh, I don't really want to get a sheep and have it killed at my new rescue farm. That's not how I want to start this whole process. So I was kind of pushing the pause button on the sheep that I had essentially ordered ahead of time. And uh, somebody called me about a bottle fed calf. They had taken 
the uh, calf in when it was only two days old. So the story is that the um, young woman, I think she maybe was like 19 years old, has a boyfriend who drives a cattle hauler for his living. They went to the auction. There was a two-day-old Angus calf, which she thought was adorable because who doesn't want a two-day-old calf? Right. She bought that calf, took it home. The boyfriend only raises bulls, and she found out very quickly that she didn't have the time or the patience to deal with this bottle cap on a daily basis. She didn't want the cap anymore, so that's how I ended up getting her, and she was brought here about two weeks after Elizabeth arrived. And did they bond fairly quickly? They did. Um, when Agnes, so her, she's Agnes Angus, because she's an Angus uh calf. She came at four months old. She jumped off that hauler scared to death. Now she didn't give any attention at all to her human. She didn't say goodbye. She didn't run to her for comfort. And for a long time, Agnes wouldn't let me really come anywhere near her, which is very unusual for a bottle cap who depended on a person to feed her. Right. So that kind of indicates she didn't get the human interaction she, she needed. Um, Agnes took off to the very farthest part of the pasture you could possibly go. As a matter of fact, I had never been up there. So I followed them up there and I called Elizabeth who used to listen to me and come when she was called right now, she's going through her teenage years and she just looks at me and says, I hear you calling me, but I'm not coming. (laughs) So I called Elizabeth. She started to follow me. Uh, the calf started following her. And when we got about halfway up to where Elizabeth had been sleeping, which was by the RV, the calf turned around and ran and hid again in that far part of the pasture. And she stayed there for a day and a half. And Elizabeth stayed with her the whole time. And then eventually they came out together and got something to eat. And they've been inseparable ever since. You named it Sama Farms, or is it Sama Farms? Sama. Sama. And what does that name mean? Yeah, that's a really good question. So when, and I had wanted a farm my whole entire life, I clearly manifested this, the cow and the farm and didn't realize I was doing it. Um, So we can talk about that more if you want to. But when I ended up realizing that I was going to have my own farm, I'm like, okay, what am I going to call it? And it was super important for me to pick the right name. I named the cow rescue. So the business is Tennessee cow rescue. And that was because I learned through trying to market my own business and internet SEO that people were going to sit down and type in Tennessee cow rescue. Exactly. So that name was open. So that's why I took it. Right. But when I was trying to find a name for the uh, farm, every single farm name was taken. So not necessarily taken by the state of Tennessee, but it was taken on social media right? or there was a restaurant named, you know, one of the things that was on the list was copper, copper cow farm. And it was a restaurant or it was a a beef farmer. I can't remember, but everything was taken. So I started thinking about it and thinking about it. Sama in Sanskrit means right. So in the eight noble path, there are essentially eight things that we should all be doing in our life 
to reach nirvana, just to simplify things. So they're like uh, right understanding, right action, right thought, right speech. And at this point in my life, doing the right thing and being honest and having integrity is super important to me. And when people kept asking me, why are you doing this exactly? I kept saying, it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing for me to do. So I was a religious studies major in college. Of all the religions, I admire Buddhism the most. My dog is named Buddha. Sama Farm was a good fit. And if you look at our logo, which is a cow kind of turned into a pot, a flower pot, Mm -hmm. because I'm a master gardener. And then the lotus flower, which also ties back to Buddhism, uh, has eight leaves which represent the eightfold path. So you started talking about manifesting. And yes. right now, you're in one place. You've almost seemed to have manifested the first part. If I'm just looking at it the way I'm seeing it, there's more manifesting to come. Yes, no? Yes, oh, of course. I ask a lot of people this question. I say to them, if you could talk to yourself, your 16-year-old self, what would you tell them? I'm going to ask that of you, but I'm, I'm going to ask you a second question, which I'm going to ask you to answer first. So let's go a different route. Anyone following this, I say this every time, I'm not going to edit that part because that part made no sense, but don't worry. This part will. Okay. <laughs> will you come back to this show in one year and tell us where you're at in one year? Yeah, of course, I'd love to. And where do you see yourself at or hope to manifest yourself to or the possibilities to in one year? What's the perfect, I don't want to say outcome, what's the perfect next step in the ladder? You know, the next step for me is getting through the business portion of this process, which is the very unfun part. Um, the 501c3 and dealing with the IRS and the opening the bank account and establishing the board and the bylaws and deciding, you know, who's going to own the land? Is it the nonprofit? Is it going to be me? What is all of that going to look like? None of this is fun. I really dislike this portion and can't wait for it to be behind us. But it's an important part of establishing the nonprofit and what it'll look like in the future. So a year from now, all of that's behind us. I would really be happy if the barn was built, which means I feel comfortable taking on any and every cow that should need help. And that at that point, we are also able to better interactive, uh, interact with the community and have them come and spend time here, which is a benefit for them as well as the cows. And that we've really integrated into the community, which so far has been very receptive. And that was hard for me thinking about relocating someplace again, because when I moved to Tennessee from Ohio four years ago, I didn't know anybody. And then now I'm doing it again. And I'm even moving to a smaller town, which is uh, filled with beef farmers. And I'm going to open a cow rescue farm. (laughs) Hello. I'm from the, and I say this all the time. I'm like, I am a woman who doesn't know how to farm or how to care for cows, you know, I'm learning these things, of course. Uh, I'm very left-leaning in my in my thinking. 
I'm from the North. I mean, I couldn't be any more out of place, but they've been very welcoming. But what I love is so many of my listeners who hear my shows, these shows, hear people who have already not completed the journey, but have done the good and now are living in the good. You're in the flux of it. You're in the motion, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because, and I've described it this way and it's kind of what it feels like. And I don't, I don't remember what this game is called. I even played it when it first came out on my iPhone, but you know, that um, game where you set up a farm and you decide where you're going to put stuff. And oh, yeah, it's like Farmville or something. Farmville. Yeah. Yes. Maybe that's what it is. That is exactly what my life is like <laughs> right now. And there are days when I actually want to cry. Sure. I want to cry because it's so difficult and there's so much to do and I'm only one person. But then I try to flip that script around and I say to myself, do you have any idea how lucky you are that you get to do this and you get to make such a difference, not only in so far two cows lives, but, um, a lot of other people through education and training, and I'm going to make an impact on the community. Yeah. And I, so I, you know, I have changed my life, but then I also get to decide what everything is going to look like, where it's going to go, what the program's going to look like. So I didn't have to step on the land and go, gosh, I really don't like that barn. I wish it was over there or whatever, whatever, whatever. Everything gets to be exactly the way I picture it in my mind when I close my eyes. That is every project that I've ever done. Um, I work in television. I work in, in, in creating, I used to create web series, even this podcast. I had no clue how to do a podcast. I didn't know the first thing about what an RSS feed is. I didn't, I thought you had to go to like, (laughs) I thought it was like when I used to put things up, like I'll put it up on YouTube and then I'll have to go put it up on this other side, another side. I didn't know that you could hit one button. Everything gets done for you. You don't even have to hit the button anymore because everything is is basically self-regulates itself once you put the information in. But but you learn as you go and you grow with that learning and then you figure out what's working for you and what's not. So on that note, reaching back to what I asked earlier, what would you tell 15, 16 year old you? What would you tell that little Denise? You know, I guess I would probably tell myself that life is going to be completely different than you imagine it to be. If you're if you're open to that, I think that there are people and, you know, I don't know if they're the lucky ones or the unlucky ones, but if let's say you look at a 16 year old and they say, I am going to be a doctor. And then they get all the way through high school, all the way through college, all the way through med school. They're now 60 years old and they're like, I, I'm a doctor. I was a doctor. Now, I guess it depends on whether they really wanted to be a doctor or their family wanted them to be a doctor and they followed that path because they felt like they had to. But, you know, for me, and I think for most people, you think your life is going to be one way or you worry about things that are super not important. And then you get to the end of the day and go, wow, wow, things are way different you know, more different than I expected that they would be. And if you would have said to me, Hey, Denise, you're going to own a cow rescue farm in the country. I'd be like, sure. You're crazy. 
So how can my listeners help you? This is your chance to plug away. Where do they find you online and what can they do to help cows live a gorgeous life in Tennessee? Well, they can find us at our website, which is TennesseeCowRescue.org. And we are on social media uh, under Sama Farm. Instagram is the Sama Farm and Facebook is at Tennessee Cow Rescue. So uh, I think the biggest impact people could make, which won't cost them anything, is follow and engage with us on social media and help us grow our network. And if they are interested in making a donation to help the uh, farm grow, there are a couple opportunities to do that on the website. The first one is for them to purchase uh, hay, which we'll be needing as we roll into winter. So they can purchase either um, a round bale or a square bale of hay. And for the next couple of months, and we launched this because last week, I think it was Wednesday, was Cow Appreciation Day. Elizabeth says every day is Cow Appreciation Day. <laughs> but we launched a Sama Farm, uh, kind of like a, an OG club where you can come and be part of our herd. So if you're willing to make a small monthly donation, you can either do it at the calf, heifer, or bull level. And we're only going to do it for a certain period of time. And then you'll always be one of the original herd. So when we're around five years from now, you can say, I've been part of the herd since the beginning. I'm a Sama Farm OG. And the reason I did that is because I love being one of those people who found a musician first, right? who uh, you know went to a restaurant first, who joined a glo- club and did it from the beginning. That is so fun. That is so fun. And it reminds me of places where you can buy a brick for a building or for a walkway up to a building and put your name on it. And then you're part of the foundation, literally the foundation yeah. of that place. Exactly. Yeah, that, that, same, that same philosophy for sure. We end our shows with two questions. They're super simple questions. You know the answers. Don't panic. Question number one is, who inspires you? Gosh, I suppose it would be easy to just name someone famous that everyone knows. But at this point in my life, the people who inspire me are the people who stand up for the marginalized because no person or animal should be felt, uh, should, should feel insignificant uh, or be treated as if they don't matter. So when I see somebody who goes out of their way to stand up and help someone that's in that situation or stand up against someone else who's putting them there, those are the people that inspire me to keep going when, when this is a little bit difficult on a daily basis. And the final question we end every show with, again, can go back to anything we talked about or anything you want to say, real simple, tell me something good. I think that right now, and I can't even say it's the country, I think it's the world, I think it's people in the collective, there's this giant shift and people are finding a different way to live and they're making a difference. And a perfect example of this is your podcast where you're highlighting those of us that are trying to do good in the world. And I think that the more we can shine the light on that, the more people will join in and either want to partake or choose something good to do that speaks to their soul. 
Thank you, Denise, for sharing your good. Since recording this episode, Denise has added two more cows to the Sama Farm family. Go visit them online to see how you can help build a cow rescue empire. Next time on World Gone Good. When you're in a dark place, there's a lesson in that dark place. And you got to understand what the hell that lesson is so that you won't be in that dark place again. So I would give everybody who's in that dark place right now, just understand that it's a lesson and just think what you can do to get yourself out of that dark place and what you can do to prevent from going back. Simone Gordon is the Black Fairy Godmother and be warned, her wand gets real. She is a single mom raising an autistic child going to college, and she became an overnight good deed-doing sensation. She's been featured in People Magazine, on CNN and ABC News, all by spreading her magic fairy dust throughout the social media land to bring people together to help others who need it. I promised you we would deliver you a surprise guest for our last show of the month, and well, surprise... And you're welcome in advance because this fairy godmother is going to leave you not just inspired, but ready to take action in your own world, your own community. I cannot wait for you to hear this magical conversation for somebody who I look up to myself. Until then, be good.